Sugar is poison. It is a chronic, not acute, chronic, dose-dependent, depends on how much you eat, because there is a safe threshold, hepato liver toxin. The metabolic diseases that are associated with obesity, the diabetes, the heart disease, the lipid problems, the strokes, the cancer, those diseases are being driven by Sugar man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? Silver magic ships you carry, jumpers, coke, sweet Mary Jane. Black hole Silver magic ships You carry Jumpers, Coke Sweet Mary Jane Sugar man You're the answer That makes my questions Disappear Sugar man Cause I'm says you've been in um, recovery from substance use disorder for over 34 years, which is amazing. Um, can you give us a background on maybe that and um, how you overcame it? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the short version was I just thought it was a big party through college and whatever, and it uh, it was, you know, ended up being kind of a problem, obviously. Definitely. And uh, so, uh, you know, around 28, I got sober. It's strange because I realized very early on that I had a problem with alcohol. I, uh, my uncle died of cirrhosis of the liver at 49, oh, and I was in, that. yeah, I was in college, and I got the call from my mom. I think I was like 19, but I continued, and I went to the, but I went to the library and I started studying it a little bit, and uh, but. Uh, so I continued to drink till I was about 23, and really at about 23, I quit drinking uh, for like five years. During the five-year period, I probably drank three or four times, but I never stopped doing drugs, um, and I still worked in the restaurant and bar industry, so it got kind of progressively worse. I got promoted a lot in the bar industry because I didn't drink, and they thought that was excellent, but um, and we, I ended up running very large nightclubs. But, uh, you know, in the back room, I was doing drugs and, and I probably never went a day. No, I know I didn't. I never went a day in that five or six year period without smoking pot and mostly multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. You know, when I ran into cocaine in the, in the, in the nightclub industry, I, I ended up, you know, using a lot of other drugs to come down and blah, 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 and smoking a lot more pot. And 
so it was, uh, you know, it, it became a problem. And, uh, I, uh, I went to support group meetings after that. And, uh, you know, the beginning of it was kind of rough, you know, it was, uh, I didn't want to be in the restaurant industry because it was so close to the to the source, if you will. So getting a new job after you'd been the manager of a hundred people, you know, was kind of hard. Yeah. So so anyway, I you know we, I made it through the first year really only by luck. Where I location where I was, there was just a lot of cool people. Uh, it was a small group, but they just literally enveloped me. I mean, it was like. Hugs Not Drugs was hot, and uh, and this support group, uh, you know, we got a lot of hugs, and it was weird because my family wasn't a hugging family, and uh, and I kind of like those hugs, you know. I mean, men, women, I didn't care, you know, they're getting a hug every five seconds, and I, I actually think now that, you know, fast forward thirty five almost years, the brain science around the oxytocin and the the, the norepinephrine and the dopamine and the serotonin that that kind of touch and that kind of community was really the answer uh you know along with some uh some suggestions shall we say <laughs> so actually it went out you know i i really consider myself lucky and blessed I, I don't think i would have made it through the opioid crisis i don't think i would have made it through uh the crack the crack cocaine crisis we i got out just as crack was becoming popular so yeah that's that's interesting because um you know i've noticed from my experience you know first of all the culture behind getting you know the college scene and the restaurant industry and the nightclub industry it's heavily you know involved with with drugs and um it's really hard to kind of bob and weave through those kinds of fields of work without being exposed to all those drugs, especially when you're at, you know, at least for me, I mean, I, I've been in the music industry and, and being through college, it was really hard to turn down, you know, when you're giving that new sense of uh, freedom from, you know, high school and then, you know, graduating to college, it's like, yep. you're just thrown right into it. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's when a lot of people realize they may have a substance abuse problem or alcohol problem, yeah, and I, I would notice that very early on, but it, it's kind of like, it's just so heavily around. It's just like, it's, it's kind of, you're kind of just in the midst of it. Um, but you, you had also mentioned, um, I mean, your book is called, uh, the last resort sugar detox guide, which, I mean, I, myself personally, I could, I, it's kind of a godsend that, uh, I, uh, like came about finding out about you because I have, I mean, I'm in an early recovery myself and I've found myself substituting my uh, substance abuse with, with sugar. Um, mm -hmm. And then I quickly realized like, Oh, I'm just replacing one addiction with the other. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what uh, caused you to, um, you know, kind of, um, it, it did, did you treat your substance abuse with sugar or, um, how did you come in like this field of work where you're realizing so much about sugar and having to detox off it and the health risks behind it? Yeah, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, when I, when I talk on podcasts like this, it's funny, I get that same kind of response where, um, you know, people are interested in the sugar stuff because they kind of see it in themselves. They're kind of aware from their 
substance use disorder that this thing's starting to act that way, you know, sugar's starting to act that way in their body and their mind, you know, they think about it too much and uh, spend a little too much money on it, whatever. But um, I'm going to kind of reverse engineer the question a little bit. You know, I actually personally believe that um, sugar is the original gateway drug. Uh, I, I believe that when I was a kid, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of sugar sweetened cereals. So you had to put your own sugar on And we had unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We could have as much as or as little as we wanted. They didn't even like pay any attention to it. So we would put, you know, sugar on the Cheerios or the cornflakes. And, the, you know, at the bottom of the bowl, there was like a quarter of an inch or more of sugar that you would scrape up with the milk, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> everybody always giggles. At that. You know, everybody kind of relates to that story, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's a great 60 Minutes with Ed Bradley and Eric Clapton. If you're in the music world, you'd like to look this up. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric and Ed are sitting in his $7 million treatment center. They paid for it with his own money to help people in Antigua, and uh, Ed Bradley, I'm 60 Minutes, says, so Eric, this all started with heroin, right? This addiction stuff. And he goes, no, Ed, it started with sugar. And, <laughs> and Ed goes, looks at him quizzically, and he goes, sugar? And, and Eric says, yeah, when I was five or six years old, I was eating bread and butter sandwiches with sugar on it. And we used to eat those. We didn't have a lot of money. And we were home alone, and we would just pull out the white bread and the, the soft butter and then put the sugar on top and eat it. And and it's Eric said, Eric Clapton says, you know, anything that would change my state, Ed, and that just kept evolving and evolving. And the same thing happened to me, and, and then I ran it. And I was a regular kid. My mother was a sugar junkie. She loved it. Uh, so a long story about how she got it. But, you know, I, I actually think it killed her. I think she died of sugar addiction because oh, wow. she, was, she wasn't a drinker. Or all the, let me put it this way, all the metabolic diseases that cause sugar or that sugar causes. So I got to be 14 and then found beer. And beer, you know, that was amazing. I mean, I could talk to girls. I, you know, it was like that feeling was accentuated that I was using sugar for and I think that's what people are doing in society unconsciously. And then fast forward to your question is that I'm not alone and you're not alone. When I first recognized this, I was early in recovery and all my fellows were saying, you know, I was starting to get trying to get healthy. And I'd read a book called Sugar Blues and they would all say, oh, you're sober today, Mike, you know, don't worry about the sugar, you know. <laughs> And meanwhile, that stuff is in the back of the room, you know, and yeah. all, all the folks, some of them were gaining. I mean, people would literally come in uh, and gain 20, 30, 50 pounds in a couple of months, you know, and they were getting diabetes diagnosis and, you know, just overall bad health. And so basically, you know, I, I think that's the original drug. I think we're in the beginning of a a tectonic shift to understand the science, the brain science that's coming out now is really very, um, it's getting very succinct, succinct about the dopamine and serotonin and stuff. And these are the, 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 uh, receptors that the drugs hit, the heroin and the alcohol and the cocaine, you know, they hit the dopamine receptors and make you feel better about yourself. Right. Yeah. Except now our doses of sugar are so high and, uh, you know, the fructose is the main uh, offending molecule, as my, one of my mentors says. And, and that fructose hits your liver like a ton of bricks. And it's the only place that it can get 
you know, it can get uh, processed. So it's very similar to alcohol. Now kids are having fatty liver disease, which is like the uh, um, the disease of alcoholics, you know, and they don't have access to alcohol. They're kids. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it really is a, I, I answer your question. Yes, I did uh, substitute it, but not consciously. It, it took a little bit of awareness to realize what I had done and what I was doing. So, um, what, so when did you realize, like, I mean, what made you realize you had a problem with sugar or was it, or was it just like, um, I mean, you said you kind of subconsciously substituted it. Um, was there something like a life event or something that made you realize, like, did you have a, a weight gain or were your glucose levels really high? Cause I myself had gotten a, a recent blood draw mm. and, and I'm actually, um, on the exact level of being pre-diabetic myself. So um, I'm very um, interested in knowing, you know, because you, you talk about um, a sugar detox, um, what what people can do to lower their glucose levels and what steps they can take to prepare for a sugar detox. Because I've been trying to do research myself on what I can do because I know I'm going to feel it on a physical level, but I, I've been trying to prepare myself and take steps because I know it's going to be rough. Um, so I was really, really fascinated in, in what kind of advice you would give to anyone out there listening who may be going through a similar situation. Yeah, no sugar detox is real. And you know, the, the fact that your you know, your blood uh, tests say that you're pre-diabetic, you're, you're not alone. I mean, a great majority of the country is pre-diabetic. They don't yet, they don't realize it because they don't take blood tests or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very common, you know, it's, it's becoming very common. And, you know, the question I think is one of, um, it's, it's difficult because people uh, don't recognize sugar as a, uh, a drug, a psychoactive drug, number one. And number two, uh, it's split into two molecules. You got the fructose, which is hitting the brain reward systems, dopamine, serotonin, and the heavy amounts of glucose, um, powdered, you know, like crystallized glucose. The molecule is 50-50 of each, and that's wreaking havoc with your blood tests and your, you know, your, um, you know, your metabolic syndrome stuff. That's a real problem. But sugar detox itself is very close to drug addiction withdrawal and and moreover emotionally and mentally now the physical stuff is kind of tough in the first 30 days it takes willpower i don't i don't want to use that word i I, you know it it, but you got to get through the first 30 days Um, you've got to get um, a community you got to get people who are doing this because socially it's so acceptable and people still believe the science hasn't got out there enough. The uh, you know podcasts like this haven't got out there. The information's not out there, and the general public believes it's okay to give this to a baby. So it's okay that you know we can do the moderation thing. And if you're an addict like I was, I couldn't moderate stuff. Anything that I was in trouble with, I could not moderate. I tried for years to moderate everything, and biochemically, about a third of people cannot process sugar and flour well Um, they just can't handle it and and i believe it's the fructose uh, which is coming to the fore as a a psychoactive drug uh, a drug that changes your state and it's such a nice 
buzz. It's such a nice, mellow, feel better about yourself. Everything's all right with the world that you've been using literally probably since the womb. Uh, and your parents use it on you to quiet you. Um, right. And so it's like you, we do it unconsciously. It's completely unconscious that we reach for this when we're stressed or upset or hurt or anxious or whatever. And so that's the hard part socially um, because everybody thinks that they can just, you know, get through 30 days and then they they start again. And, and no, moderation just doesn't work for some folks. They have to quit. They have to go. They have to use abstinence as the cure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so aside from abstinence, what um, I mean, could you describe like more in more detail what someone may experience when? Uh, going through a sugar detox or a sugar withdrawal, what their symptoms may be. Um, and if, if there is any kind of, um, not supplements, but, you know, anything to aid through that process. Yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's a few amino acids, L-glutamine and those kind of things you can take. Um, but I'm not a big fan of those because... You know, we're still trying to what they call dial in SSRIs, right? Yeah. The, the Paxils. And we're trying to dial this stuff in, right? And, yeah, they have these – and no offense to the docs out there, but they have these degrees and they they think that they can play with the dosage till you get to the right dosage, right? Well, that's the same with the aminos. But the bottom line with the, with the, uh, the sugar detox physically – you're going to be tired. You're going to be lethargic. Uh, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be irritable. It's just so irritable. That's the crazy part. You're irritable. You're, you only can't even stand yourself, let alone the dog or the kids. You know, you're just irritable because you you were, you were given a, a buzz that was, you know, like what goes up must come down kind of thing. Definitely. And you're they're called uh, your your dopamine receptors are down regulated, right? So they they're trying to you don't have any sugar to push them manually. They're healing, resting up, and they're trying to come back to be normal. And the most important part that you have to realize and recognize is that this is an emotional uh, process, emotional game. You're going to literally feel impending doom. You're going to feel um, – no, really, you're going to feel like the world is – you're, you're going to feel depressed. You're going to – a lot of people will run off and try and get some kind of depression medicine or whatever, but they're not. And if you give it 30, 20 or 30 days – physically eating whole food and hydrating well and just mild exercise because exercise helps not to burn calories crap but to to reinvigorate your dopamine receptors to and to give you a blast of dopamine and a blast of serotonin those kinds of things and that helps you feel better and substitute for the what you're missing now think about it you've been pounding your dopamine serotonin uh, norepinephrine oxytocin you've been pounding your your brain's reward system since you were a baby and your parents did it to you and now you're stopping it all completely and your body's going to go like literally into shock and the recidivism rate the the success rate is abysmally slow abysmally small simply because people don't have this information they don't have a community of folks that they're doing it with you know like a you know a recovery program for alcohol or drugs that these are evolving slowly um 
I can do a you know perfect analogy of the the food groups that were you know that are twelve step type programs. They anecdotally found this solution in dusty basements over forty years, and the people that adhere to their programs, no flour, no sugar, um, and some of them weigh and measure food, but no flour, no sugar. Their body falls to a normal weight, and in essence, they do the same thing that you and I are doing in recovery, which is um, recovering emotionally, right? And so you've heard the construct where, um, you know, you stopped growing emotionally when you started using. I mean, we've all heard that, you know, and think about this applied to sugar when you were small, so really, you've got to like rejigger and re. You've got to learn to yoga or walk or call a friend or get a hug or watch a sunset, um, get a mani pedi, whatever it is. You know, you got to do something that you know. Touch is great. Hugs, anything that'll help you get a boost of serotonin and reorder reorder that brain reward process uh, to normal holistic things as opposed to a substance. Yeah, it sounds like almost like during the detox, your brain would be kind of throwing a temper tantrum to try and like <laughs> exactly. convince you into going back and replenishing these these chemicals. Um, yep. So because yep. it feels great. I mean, oh it's a, yeah, but it's nice and mellow. It's not a giant cocaine hit or you know whatever, but it does feel nice, you know. Well, it's funny that you mention um, like cocaine because I had recently watched the was it the I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary Fed Up, but it was tying all oh, yeah. into the sugar industry. Sure. And uh, they had I think they were doing a study on on rats and um, where they had two like um, uh, tube feeders, one with cocaine water and one with sugar water, and I think it was like up to eighty percent of the rats preferred going to the sugar water than the cocaine water. And yep. even um, at, through brain scan, uh, brain scans showed that sugar can trigger the same receptors in our brain that that cocaine does. Yeah, exactly. Um, which yeah. is just mind-blowing. And, the, it, you know, sh- it, like sugar being, like showing through these studies how much more addictive it is than even cocaine, yet it's kind of socially acceptable it's in so many uh, foods. We have these. We have this like energy drink, like you know, mm-hmm. just breakthrough. And um, you know, like um, I've seen in so many, you know, inpatient facilities and recovery groups, everyone's drinking like these bang energy drinks. I was hooked on them for the longest time, and mm-hmm. um, even though they say zero sugar, they're still loaded with things like sucralose. And other yeah. sweeteners, which basically do the same thing to your body as sugar. Yep. Um, so, um, can like is is there also a specific diet, not just from you know sugary drinks, but like foods like you know staying away from you know breads and stuff or other foods that convert into sugar that would be recommended, or is there sort of like a a step down process you'd recommend? Because I, I'd imagine if someone just tried to cut sugar out all entirely, they're going to crash super hard. Or would you recommend that as opposed to like trying to wean slowly off? Yeah, I mean, flour is going to flour does turn to sugar in your stomach. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, flour 
some flour <laughs> and some breads and pastas and stuff doesn't contain fructose, but I, I, I go with the old wired together, fired together kind of stuff that, you know, people, it, first of all, it does turn to sugar in your stomach and very quickly, a bread or a pasta or any kind of flour, right? So it's not a situation that, and this is where I get a lot of pushback, Brian. I mean, I people, yeah, they get that they got to quit sugar, but when I tell them they have to quit flour too, <laughs> then they're like, eh, you know, tap uh, out. yeah, yeah, they tap out, right? <laughs> and, and you know, but they come back. Honest to God, they always come back. They always come back, and they, you know, because they try it, they try it their way. You know, you, I don't. At least I did. I don't know if you did, but I tried it my way for years, right? Definitely. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a hard one socially again, you know, the same kind of thing. It's very difficult to, to, cause you know, you end up with a, what appears in today's world because there is so many carb filled uh, dishes and whatever that eating just good vegetables and seafood and meat and whatever, and chicken, it, it, just whole foods in the outside of the grocery store is challenging because you can't go to a restaurant and you know all the seasoning and the salad dressings, everything has sugar in it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very difficult. But yes, uh, flour is a part of the protocol of recovery. As is for mine, the caffeine. Uh, caffeine. Uh, we we've had a lot of success recently in the last couple of years where we let people continue to drink caffeine. And, we found that only 10 or 15% of people can succeed in getting off sugar without first getting off caffeine. It's really? another yeah, another wired together, fired together thing. It's like everything that has caffeine normally is related with sugar. Black coffee is a rare thing. Unsweetened tea is a rare thing. Uh, people drink it, but it's it's not that not common. People don't like it very much. So yeah, that's been a um, that's only evolved in the last couple of years that we've kind of understood that. And when people struggle and continue to try and drink caffeine, then we we get them off the get them off the caffeine first. We literally use the the sugar as a as a methadone to get them off the caffeine because if you try and do caffeine, flour, and sugar at the same time, in day three you will literally if you have any kind of habit at all you will be incapacitated. You will be you will not be able to function, go to work, you'll be, you know, you'll just be in a mess. Um, so yeah, it's, a uh, neither one of them, all of them get no respect in, uh, in regards to, uh, being psychoactive drugs or drugs of addiction. So yeah, getting, that's interesting that you say or recommend getting off caffeine first, because I, I went about it the opposite. I, I switched to black coffee mm. and, and, um, have been doing that and, and I've been cutting out dairy um, because at, at this point I, I can't, I like, I was like, okay, I can put down sugar, but giving up coffee is seems just like totally mm. inconceivable for me right now. Um, yep. But I mean, it is, I mean, it, it, like, do what would you recommend as if any, a replacement to caffeine? Is there anything like, I mean, tea has caffeine in it. It seems like, um, sometimes more caffeine than coffee even, but, um, right. my, I guess basically my question is, you know, cause I know a lot of people want to get, have some kind of substance cause we're, you know, we're in such a fast paced environment, um, to, you know, maintain work, um, you know, ethic and everything. Um, is there any natural ways to kind of get a boost? I mean, like I know exercise, um, but 
And then also, how long do you, how long does, from your experience, uh, withdrawal from sugar typically last? Uh, and like, when will people start to see the results where their, their withdrawal symptoms start to fade away? Yeah, no, that's a couple of questions there. I'll let me tackle the caffeine part first is that, you know, I'm just over the years, I've just found that um, it's best to try and be as holistic as you can and to see, I just think our bodies are magical. I really believe that. I, I think that we can, I mean, we weren't uh, put here to to handle the stresses of this society as modern as it is, as fast paced as it is, as you said, and so many um, distractions and things that are going on, bells and whistles, that we do need to numb a little bit. But as far as the caffeine, I genuinely, I've never had anybody succeed who wanted to go back. And they actually report more energy, better energy, like smoother energy, uh, longer lasting energy. And they get to adapt and adopt to their actual rhythm. So yeah, you got to lie down and sleep. If you used to sleep at one, then you got to go to bed at 10, then you got to go to bed at 10. But that only lasts for a while, you know. you'll even out to a place where you 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 have a nice even sleep, helps you sleep better and whatever. And the second part of your question where um, the substitutions, again, I just don't think that you you probably should if you can. And how long does it take? Physically, all of this physical like angst and terribleness, nastiness, is pretty much gone in 30 days, uh, sometimes shorter. and you don't have these loud, crazy cravings. This one thing people are amazed with is this concept of the stomach growling. Stomachs don't growl, and stomachs that have this vacant kind of starving feeling is not a reality. That's not how the human body functions. And when I tell that to people up front, they just can't believe it because when they're hungry, their stomach is growling and they're hungry. That's a that's a sugar and flour withdrawal symptom, oh, and wow. it goes it goes away completely. Absolutely, completely. Yeah, you're hungry. But there's like the smoothness that I talk about, the steadiness that I talk about. You're hungry and you can feel that you're hungry, but there's no giant ravenous need to eat, you know. And it takes where we shine because I believe uh, uh, my substance use disorder background and when I went public with it is that we shine in days 30 through 365 because that's where the recidivism is. That's where the fallback is. That's where all of the university studies, including one on The Biggest Loser, is that people can always muscle through 30 or 60 days, 90 days, lose a bunch of weight by not using flour or sugar or cutting way, way back. And then, but they always regain it. Up to 95% of all studies say the same thing. And in order to make it a lifestyle, you have to do what you and I have done. You have to, in, in essence, enter recovery. You have to recover your emotional well-being, your emotional state. You have to be able to manage that well. Um, you have to have a substitutes for substances when things are rough. And if you can master that and tie the, the withdrawals, you tie the cravings, tie the desire to use to the emotional thing that's going on in your life. And it's not always the immediate life. It's sometimes something that you push down. It's not always a trauma. It's not always sex abuse or physical abuse. It can just have been bullying or something that you you, you covered up with a, 
you know, a week of chocolate shakes when you were 13, you know, I mean, and and then that you'll start to start to be angry at this kid. You know, you're 30 years old, 30 years old, and you start to be angry at this kid that bullied you. Right. And you're like this truly there's a book, great book out there called The Body Remembers, you know, and the body will start to process these emotions. And you realize I, I at least went through that in, in my own recovery from alcohol and drugs. And then I went through it again in, you know, in sugar. It's actually worse in sugar because when I was left with nothing uh, five years after I got sober, four years after I got sober, I was like a basket case. My basket case didn't happen in the first three, three or four years because I used so much sugar, flour, and caffeine. I was still numbing. And then when I really cut it, I started, I, you know, I had what I call the dark night of the soul where I took nine months to process this pent up uh, um, angst and anxiety, you know, and this is all replete in the literature. I mean, this is all over the literature of regular recovery. I, I like to, I don't like to call it that, but of substance use disorder recovery and food addiction recovery. Um, but it's not as known or even thought of as something you need to think about uh, when you're talking about sugar withdrawal, sugar, sugar uh, recovery. So it's almost uh, basically it's like you can use a 12 step recovery process for not just like drugs or alcohol. You can also do that for sugar. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, um, there are very successful OA and, and I consider myself an amateur anthropologist when it comes to 12 step stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'll put it this way, I'm not anonymous <laughs> and I'm not a big believer. And I think things evolve and anonymity has run its course in some ways for other things and for other people, maybe not. But for me, it has. And in OA, they can name your own abstinence, meaning you can say, well, I'll just have sugar on the weekends. Right. But the offshoot programs, there's four of them. Those offshoot programs, they do tell you no flour, no sugar. And some of them weigh and measure their food. But no flour, no sugar is a, is a standard of four of them. And people that adhere to those rules and do the stuff we just talked about, which is essentially the step work. But it's, you know, how to, you know, clean up the past and make sure that you're processing your emotions correctly in the future and in the present. Those people... They recover, they lose 100 pounds, they fall to a regular sized body, and then, you know, they don't have that desire to use sugar anymore. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird because it comes from a bunch of different angles, right? I mean, everybody in, in the popular culture is coming from the physical health, Instagram beautiful stuff <laughs> yeah. and diabetes and all that kind of stuff. And I come a little bit more from this addictive part, you know. And I like all that health stuff. So I've kind of put it together and had a lot of success helping folks quit. So That's amazing. Um, it, it's also – you also cover something called the keto, the keto flu. And <laughs> right. um, is that short for like ketosis? Um, and, Correct. Um, and is that – you said that it says is the keto flu really just sugar withdrawals? Could you cover for anyone who doesn't know what it is to get your body in ketosis and um, how that relates to a sugar addiction or withdrawal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ketosis, ketosis, keto is the number one search term on Google this year and last year too. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's a a very hot, trendy diet, you know? Yeah. And it, it essentially is 
good vegetables, uh, little fruit, very little, some almost none for keto, paleo some. But anyway, meat, they eat a lot of meat, and some of them go as far as being carnivores. But the bottom line is they don't eat any processed food or any sugar. And so, and, and they're very successful in weight loss. And this is where I just, just mentioned, you know, a lot of people are coming from that angle. Well, 90%, 80%, you know, most of the people that talk about trying to sugar detox or quit sugar are coming from some keto diet or paleo diet or South Beach diet. 98% of all diets say quit the white stuff. That's how you do it. Everybody knows this, right? Mm-hmm. So um, keto is the, is, is the diet that's has no processed carbs in it at all, zero, if you're doing it right, including all the crap keto sweets, which is just another money-making thing. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when you go straight keto is you essentially, if you line up a sugar detox symptoms with a keto flu symptoms, they're identical, right? Oh, wow. They're the same thing. They're, I mean, everything that I mentioned earlier is on that list, right? Uh-huh. And And so... What I believe is very simply that the, the people that fail at keto are the people who don't who have an unrecognized sugar addiction who are not willing to use, a use the word addiction. They don't. Nobody likes the word addiction. They think of a drunk or a bum under a bridge or right, with a bottle. Yeah. They don't want to be associated with, with that, that 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 picture. You know, they, that's that's an addict or a meth addict that you see on TV or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. They, they don't want to see that. They just don't want to hear it. And so they can't be in their penthouse or, you know, they can't be somewhere, you know, in a normal society, have a normal career, normal job and consider themselves an addict or a sugar addict. Or so, yeah, the two are identical. And I, I don't think I know they're the same. And recently we've been working with a lot of keto uh, folks and influencers. We had a kick sugar summit, which was a science edition. And most of them were keto um, because it's a a good diet if you eat healthy fats to help you get off the sugar, and b it's a good weight loss thing for folks. Um, not that we're in it for weight loss, but weight loss is a nice byproduct. I'm in it for the the mental health, the 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 peace, the the. And to be perfectly honest, your brain literally comes back online. People don't realize the brain fog that sugar causes. Your brain literally processes works better. And that is the, the benefit that I get the most feedback on that was not recognized up front. It's that, that clarity of thought and that, that uh, non-raciness and, you know, it's just a clear, you know, your brain, it's called brain fog and it, it, it's very good description because you're, you're kind of foggy. But yeah, I mean, it's a, <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing, right? I, I, I don't, I don't want to be this guy. You know, I don't want to <laughs> be the anti-candy guy. I don't want to be the anti-sugar guy. I don't want to ruin 300 years of enculturation, but I can't watch the kids get hurt anymore. You know what I mean? It's I can't watch the poor children who have no, who don't have a choice. You know, we get kind of a choice to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol because you really can't get to them theoretically. You definitely can't get to them for 10 or 11, but you can't get to them really. You don't get to them until you're 18 or 19 theoretically. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, they don't, it's, it's going to be a a tectonic shift like seatbelts in cars and drinking and driving and smoking in public places, these kinds of condoms and bathrooms, you know, these things, took years for society to understand. And now that the science is coming out uh, with the brain stuff, 
Uh, you know, they're calling diabetes uh, Alzheimer's 3, or is that right? No, they're calling Al- Alzheimer's diabetes 3, right? Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's that effect of the brain that, hey, that was my best benefit. You know, I, I don't want to lose that. I watched my both my parents die of Alzheimer's, and I believe that at least my mother died of straight-ass sugar addiction, you know? Yeah, my my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and it was it was very difficult to watch them go through um, that, or to watch her go through that process. And um, you know, she she drank, uh, I mean, she drank canned sodas on the daily, and um, mm-hmm. the 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 test results that have come back from from drinking like large amounts of sugar like that is astounding. And I think also, you know, the, the obesity and diabetes rates among, um, children have just skyrocketed. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that comes from lack of information. Um, even on the parents when, when they're going grocery shopping and, you know, it's, 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 I think a lot more serious. I mean, it's just as serious as, um, you know, tobacco or, or alcohol use, but it's like, it's because of that social acceptance, um, children are brought up with a sugar addiction at such a young age. And I think there's a lot of lack of understanding that, uh, parents have at their disposal when they, when they are shopping for, uh, foods to feed their children with. And, um, which Mm -hmm. is why I think it's, it's wonderful that, you know, you're out there, um, providing information to, to families, you know, to kind of teach them about this because it seems just like once you're stuck in it, it seems like quite a challenging and difficult, um, you know, uh, hole to, to dig yourself oneself out of. Mm, um, for sure. And you also mentioned that, uh, that you have, uh, you raised two children sugar free from the womb to, uh, up to six years old. And then they only had sugar once a month, their entire childhood. Like that just, I am very curious on how you were able to maintain that because it just seems like in so many families, they, it seems like, you know, a lot of parents are misinformed, you know, they have like fat free, um, prepackaged dinner meat, like microwave dinners. But, um, from what I've learned, fat free, you know, when, when they make, when they cut fat out of these foods, they have to replace the flavor with sugar. (laughs) Oh, you've definitely done your research. That's exactly what happened 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, the, the um, sugar industry, through their paying for, well, I told I wasn't going to get into this, but anyway, the, <laughs> they, 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 they paid the, um, you know, the scientists that produced the studies to kind of obfuscate or, you know, the, they got their own results, right? And there was a definitely. war between a guy named Ansel Keys and... Um, John Yudkin and, and Ansel Keys was more powerful and he won. And what happened, the result was, is that, you know, we demonized fat over the, over the last 30 years and high fructose corn syrup came to, came to play. And that's what, like when I was young, there was, there was zero, well, zero, there was one or two in the entire school of two or 3,000 uh, people who were obese, period. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And today there's like 30% obese and two thirds are overweight in kids. So, yeah, I did raise a couple of sugar-free kids from the womb till they were six. And, you know, I believe that first thousand days, uh, we have 100% control of what they eat. You know, maybe they have to go to daycare. But even in a daycare scenario, you're the one that brings the food 90% of the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we have 100% control of our kids' uh, food intake up to four. And then, you know, ours was just like – 
you would imagine. It was really, I mean, <laughs> we fought grandparents, we fought the schools, we fought kids' parents, we fought re- relatives, we fought, you know, because they just thought we were depriving them of something. They thought that they were not having a real childhood. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> it's like, you know, what do they care what, you know, what, what we feed our kids? But they did. And even, my, like I said, my own parents, you know, you couldn't, I couldn't leave them alone, definitely, with my mother. I mean, she was, God love her, a, a sugar junkie, you know, and she thought that, she thought sugar was love for kids, for me and for all, you know, for everybody. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the the mores and the, 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 you know, the things that need to be changed, and people need to think of themselves as, a pi- as pioneers in this because you're early in the game of the societal shift, the, you know, the actual physical stuff is we just fed them real food. They were good eaters, man. And they're good eaters today. And their, you know, their brain, I believe developed in, in, in amazing ways. They're brilliant. And, and I say brilliant, I mean, really card carrying genius is kind of brilliant. And it's like, I just, you know, I can't prove it quantitatively, Brian. I, I can't say that this is this one thing caused that one thing, but you know, as smart as they are, I'm not that smart a guy, and neither was my wife. You know, uh, so I just think that it helped. And and when we when the brain studies come out day in and day out now, I get to see why. And if truly in the next 20 years we find that this may have part or contribute or does contribute to Alzheimer's or dementia, then people are going to sit up and take notice quickly, and there's going to be a quick uh, tipping point. You know, Definitely. so. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounds like you, one would have to just be that much more, um, do that much more research and be that much more educated when they are shopping for foods. I I mean, I, I'm guessing that you would even have to be mindful of, of the kinds of, uh, baby formula you would be supplying for your children. Um, is there any advice or any tips you can give anyone for, you know, how to navigate through a, a grocery store in general just to, to avoid these kinds of things or what they should be looking at in the nutritional facts on, on the foods they buy. Yeah, I mean, the hard part about it is the prep um, or maybe the different, the behavior change necessary is in the food prep and the food acquisition. You know, if something's coming from a bag or a box or a can or a package or something, it needs to be suspect. You need to really get your food from the outside of the grocery where you get the vegetables and the meats and seafoods and, you know, that kind of stuff. You need to eat whole food, right? And that's a big adjustment for folks, especially folks that are busy and eat out some. Um, You definitely have to get the – you have to prepare in advance, maybe prepare some – some protein or whatever in a couple of days in advance and put it in a salad. There's stuff you, you have to be a little bit prepared, um, in order to achieve this lifestyle. But the benefits just far outweigh the, the worries, you know, I mean, the, the hassles, if you will, um, it's just, it's just a better, um, you know, a better fuel system for, for, for kids and we've had you know that doesn't matter you can be a vegetarian we have a couple coaches that are vegetarians and and you know they feed their kids whatever they don't rely on bags and packages they feed them well it doesn't really matter what your diet is as long as you eliminate the processed stuff and uh take the time to prepare the right foods uh yeah 
I think, yeah, yeah, I think the, one of the biggest misconceptions um, is that people save money by purchasing processed and prepared meals as opposed to buying all the, you know, separate ingredients and preparing them themselves. Um, and Absolutely. also, yeah, there's, there's this kind of, I, I guess, from what I've seen from my experience, a lot of families are overworked and, and at the end of the day don't have the energy themselves to 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 be motivated enough to to cook or maybe just don't have experience with cooking um but i i definitely see that that's made a huge impact on everyone who i've noticed um, have had major health benefits is just from cooking your own meals on a daily basis um but i i guess for so many families it's just so easy to go hit a drive-through or or to have like you know, something they just throw in the oven and it's ready in, you know, 30 minutes. But, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the state of health, you know, like, I guess epidemics we've seen, you know, I, I, you know, cancer has been higher than it's ever been when it's in the fifties was like a rare occurrence. And I'm pretty sure cancer actually eats sugar that one would put in their body and grows and manifests from that. Um, and it's just, it, it's it's a huge eye opener, and and especially with you know in my own personal experience and and the health risks I've put myself through, and and just to know that sugar is one of the major culprits behind a lot of it, and how it's just kind of rampant in so many things and marketed pretty much everywhere is mind blowing. But um, you, I was gonna ask you um one more thing is is you talk about uh there's a a one rule to follow. Uh, to make social events a lot easier, and I was I was really curious as to what that is. Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. It, it, I think this coming out process, this you know, making it public, is um, uh, one of the. <laughs> I've got a few tricks. I mean, I, I don't know that there's one full rule, but the one rule is you have to think for yourself. You have to really get your resolve that, you know, this is what's going to happen. And when you're in a restaurant, what the little trick I always use is like, you ask the chef, does this have sugar in it? I can't eat sugar. And in 30 years, no one has ever, oh no, two people have asked me, do you have diabetes? But they look at you kind of like, <laughs> you you know, like you're sick, like you have diabetes and you can't have it. And they really go as become your advocate. They go to bat for you. They run back to the chef and they truly take care of you. If you just say, can you see if this has sugar in it? I can't have sugar. It's a real simple question that just over time evolved to the point where, you know, people now, people want to help you out, but, you know, that social angst you get for being that guy who, uh, or, you know, gal who like is changing every order on the menu. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I got to have this with this, no, this, no gluten, you know, like, you know, it's hard, you know, socially that way. So you've just got to be able to um, uh, have a few tricks, a few tips that uh, and more than that, you've got to have the resolve going in. You know, you've got to know. And that takes time. I wouldn't suggest, you know, trying to eat out at restaurants in the first 30 days. That's kind of hard. You know, it's a, it's a balancing act. You're going to get a little sugar in some weird sauce or some little thing you got. And then you're going to be craving again. It's you got to get away from it a little bit. And uh 
you know, maybe have some social support on your phone where you can pick up the phone and call yeah. or, or, or get on a Facebook group and say, guys, I'm, you know, I'm losing it here. <laughs> so I'm in a, I'm in a bakery with my friends and that's all they wanted, you know, whatever. Just yeah. like you're in a crack. I'm in a crack house. You gotta come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just so um, funny that, you know, someone would look at you in a restaurant like you're saying you're gluten-free or you're vegan, but you're just saying, you know, I can't have sugar because it seems like it, it's just, it seems it's so rampant that everyone is, it's like everyone's doing it and they're like, well, why aren't you having sugar? Like, what's the big deal? But Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it's, it's, I mean, from what I've found out to, to discover is that it is, it's a major cause of so many health implications that it's like, it's it's actually it should be a more discussed topic, um, but it just seems like you know it isn't at, at the current you know. Oh yeah, well, I mean we had a kick sugar summit which was very successful. We had four. This is our fourth edition. We had all the famous guys: Gary Tobbs, Robert Lustig. I mean guys from all over the world. We had Dr. Lewis Cantley from Cornell. And my co-host asked him, point blank, does sugar cause cancer? He said, yes. He said, let me ask that question again now because people don't believe it. And he said, does sugar cause cancer? He said, yes, twice. So, yeah, I mean, he's been studying it, right? And this is his profession. He's a researcher. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very real. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I, I, you're probably not – you probably don't know this, but I'm actually a cancer survivor myself. I was um, – Wow. I was diagnosed with testicular cancer almost 11 years ago when I was 24 and um, have been able to kind of maintain my health to such, such an extent to where I've been cancer free for over 11 years now. But um, nice. I've been ever since I was diagnosed and had surgery, I was um, incredibly fascinated with what causes cancer and how to kind of do the best I could at the time, um, to, to maintain my health. But it it seemed like, it seems like I've had constant sugar relapses and, um, you know, I know even like the detoxes I've done, even when I was able to get past the physical withdrawal, it seemed like the mental cravings kind of took a little longer to overcome. And I think a lot of people usually, I think, give up is because they don't think they can get that mental clarity or, or, or maintain a, a high cognitive function without sugar. Um, but I, I'm from what I've you know learned from talking with you is if they can just get past that hurdle, they can have better, you know, brain functionality than going on a roller coaster ride with with um, you know all the you know sugary substances. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, we're almost about an hour. Um, is there anything else? I mean, I know your, um, you, your book is available on Amazon and it's called the, the last resort sugar detox guide, learn how to quickly and easily detox from sugar and stop cravings completely. Um, and that you're also founder of, um, the website sugaraddiction.com. You're, um, a board chairman for the, the food uh, addiction institute um is there any anything else you would like to um you know um shout out or or let any of our view viewers ov- uh aware of before before we wrap this up no that's about it i mean we got the, all the quizzes on sugaraddiction.com or we got a lot of information there videos and all that kind of stuff we have a pretty popular facebook page as well okay and uh just put sugar addiction in it usually comes up first um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, we, the, the book is free in the U.S. to download. Uh, I think it's like 99 cents. And um, we're trying to get it free in Canada and other English-speaking stuff, but it's free in the U.S. right now. And uh, sugaraddiction.com is our home. And, and uh, you know, we do, like I said, quizzes, a lot of blogs, a lot of informational stuff, a lot of science stuff, stuff that you're, you know, you can research and, and you know, choose your own. I always tell folks, you know, uh, you got you don't have to think for yourself on this one because the societal change is going to be a ways out. And we will not be able to wait it out and say, well, science says now that sugar causes cancer, sugar causes diabetes, sugar, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, we're not going to be able to, because it may be five years, it may be 15 years. And who wants to wait that long to, to take that risk? Uh, there, there's enough science now. And my favorite thing, like I said before, is the brain science. I mean, of all the things I love, I, I, I miss my mind the most. You ever hear that joke? You know, yeah. I, I, still, after watching your parents die of Alzheimer's, you do the last thing on earth you want to do is have take the risk that something as simple and I call it adulting, man. I yeah. mean, some, something as simple as uh, I think I stole that, but uh, <laughs> some, you know, adulting, like something as simple as what seemingly sounds simple to quit sugar might save my health might regain my weight, my normal weight, might, you know, help me think better, clearer. It's worth the risk to to get yourself clean for 90 days. I, I'm telling you, we'll wrap it up. I have never had success with someone who went 90 days, true abstinence of sugar flour and usually caffeine, not always, um, and ever went back. Never, never. It's like, once you get there, your skin is clear, your brain is clear, your eyes are clear, you're falling to a normal way. You may not all, you know, some folks have hundreds of pounds of lose, not all the way there yet, but they're not returning to the old way. So it's worth a test, you know, it's worth a, it's worth a, it's worth a shot to try it. Try it, try it.